Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I'm glad you're here. There's so much to know when you find yourself with a relentlessly difficult person. And that's why I created the term hijackles. So we could talk about these relentlessly difficult people without pretending to be able to make a diagnosis. And so when we talk about hijackles, we can talk about the patterns, the traits, the cycles that they have without talking about some kind of psychological diagnosis. So tonight we're going to talk about how to read narcissistic hijackles, smiles, and smirks. And it's important to be able to do that because you need the understanding so that you can allow some of the mechanisms you were born with to work on your behalf. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And if you want to know more about the work at any time, you can certainly learn more. Just go to emergingempowered.com emergingempowered.com and you will find me there. Um, it used to be called For Relationship Help and you can get there that way as well. But now we have moved all the information to emergingempowered.com. So come on over over there. There's so much information, free checklists, um, my membership program, Emerging Empowered. There are blogs. There are videos. There are hundreds of pages of information. So I'm glad you're here so you could hear about that so that when we're not together, you can go and find all of that valuable information that you need. Because sometimes you start second-guessing yourself and questioning your sanity uh, when you're with a hijackal. And so listening to this material or reading the material, wow, it's not me, it's them. Here's my part in it. Here's their part in it. Let me understand that completely. So as we talk tonight about these narcissistic hijackals, and all hijackals are narcissistic, no matter uh what sort they are, and there are many sorts. My definition of hijackals, and those of you who have been with me for a while know, hijackals are people who hijack relationships for their own needs and purposes, and then relentlessly, <clears throat> they relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control. So they're always on the lookout for being better than you, more than you, certainly above you in every way, and they will scavenge things from you. So, of course, when they are <clears throat> dealing with um, 
ways to have power over you. They have developed power over you in subtle ways. And I spoke in the last episode about the five cranial nerves that are always taking in information from the moment that you're born. And you can rely on those. You can rely on them. But the issue is that as we we learn things, we have experiences, we experience our parents, we experience the world, we go to school, we have association with other adults beyond our parents, and we start to think, oh, well, I should do it that way, or I'm going to make exceptions for people. These are all good pieces of learning, but because this information that we take in through these cranial nerves that are there long before we have language are very, very rich. As we begin to learn things, we start to override the information that our body is actually taking in automatically. And then it's responding to that information while we're trying to run a different kind of information through our head. So that may sound like my definition of enabling. You're feeling all this from the hijackal. Things are not feeling right. They're not feeling fair. They're not feeling equal. They don't feel reciprocal. And yet your brain is making up excuses, which sounds like my definition of enabling, which is when you frequently or usually step in to fix, solve, justify, rationalize, or make the consequences go away for the poor choices of another human. So the brain engages, and we forget that the body got all this information about, "Mm, that's not safe, I don't like that, ooh, walk away. And we're overriding it with the the shoulds and, and things that I've talked about in other episodes. So this is all beginning to be cumulative, the things that I'm talking about in these recent episodes that are linked together. So when we're getting this information from our cranial nerves, which are not speaking from our worldly experience, they're speaking from our body sense, from our vagus nerve mostly, it can be very confusing. And the more confusion we have, the less bandwidth we have to actually pay attention in the moment. And hijackals are different from healthier humans. You know, it <clears throat> what they do and why they're doing it is different than from what healthier humans do and why they're doing it. So relying on our nonverbal cues is a very important thing to do. Not override them with thought, but to actually <sighs> exhale And try and read, what's your body sensing about this? Now, I know sometimes you're just backed into a corner. You don't have that kind of time. But right now, even when that hijackal is not there, just allow yourself to slow down and say, what's my body sense of this? Because we spend about three years without anything but naming language. And we took in so much information about how we're safe, how we're not safe, whether it's safe to connect to this person or whether we need to protect from this person. And our body is taking all that in, is taking it in from the facial gestures, the tone of voice, the way they are in space, the look in their eyes, the movement of their head, all things that I spoke about in the episode on the narcissist's voice. 
So this is something we need to know further because their smiles and their smirks are definitely connected to the way that they are thinking about us and the way they are likely to treat us. So we have become very good at picking up these nonverbal cues, but depending on the home that you were born into, you may not be as skilled at not feeling that all of that is your fault. <laughs> and of course, a hijackal is going to tell you everything is your fault. So that's no surprise. So we begin to try and please the hijackal as though they are a healthier human who will also endeavor to please you back. But that's not going to happen. So I was thinking today about mask wearing. What has this done to little children who are under the age of three and have spent most of their time in, a, in places where people have masks? It is very confusing to not be able to read the whole face. Maybe you found it confusing too. You go to the grocery store and you're not sure if the people are smiling. Maybe they are. Um, maybe they're not. Maybe they're tired. You, you can't tell when you have a half a face. Well, you can't tell nearly as well as when you have a whole face to look at. And so just in the experience of mask wearing, you can think of that. How are you knowing what other people are thinking and feeling when you can't see their whole face? How does that work? And are they friendly or are they concerning? Well, you need a lot of information. And if some of it is blocked out, you're going to have trouble with that because you only have partial signals to go on. Now, when you're with a hijackal, you have all the signals, unfortunately. But it can be useful once you realize what you're looking for, what you're listening for, what are these signals all about. And <clears throat> when people are wearing a mask, you can't tell if they're smiling or smirking. That's troublesome right there. But there are other cues. You know, the tone of voice, the intensity of the voice, the volume of the voice, the pace of the voice. Babies pick that up. They know, is it safe? Is it not safe? Is that person happy? How close is that person? Is that person coming toward me or going away? All of that is being picked up in the tone of voice. And then, as I said in the episode on the narcissist's voice, there's a big clue as to how still somebody holds their head when they talk to you. If they want to really drill down into you, they hold their head still and super focus their eyes. What does a baby pick up from that? They don't have the experience that we as adults have. What are they picking up from that? And of course, they're learning. How do I stay safe in the world? Is this person going to keep me safe? If they're not, how do I placate them? How do I get away from them? What do I do? And what happened to you when you were a child? Were you in a safe place? Were you in a home where you felt safe all the time emotionally? Or most of the time, except when you did something you knew very well you ought not to have done? Was it generally a safe place where you could connect with other humans and they wanted to connect with you? Because that's what goes sideways with hijackals. They want to connect with you till they get you hooked. And then they don't want to connect with you anymore. They just want to use you. 
And every time they think they're going to lose you, then they pretend like they want to connect with you for a little bit of time, a hot minute or two. And then when they think they've got that nailed down and secure, then they go back to being dismissive and devaluing. And we've talked about that cycle frequently. So our eyes watch for cues of safety and uh, cues that somebody is someone we could connect with safely. But our eyes also watch for people that we should be wary of. And all this is happening before we're even three years old. But if we've been overridden by parental information and all the shoulds in life and all of that, we don't listen to those basic things sometimes. And when they come up, we engage our brain. What do they need? What do they want? If I give them more of what they want, will they be happy? Oh, they're still not happy. I'll give them more. Pretty soon you'll be a pretzel and or a doormat and they still won't be happy. I'm sure you've experienced that if you've had a hijackle in your life, right? You just can't make them happy because as soon as you make them happy, it seems like equality to them and they're not having that. So now something's off and they need something else in order to be happy. And sound is a strong trigger of safety for us. As I said, the sound of the voice, but you know, in the work on polyvagal theory that I explored a couple of times in episodes, the work of Stephen Porges and Deb Dana and, They talk about prosody, which is the music of the voice. Prosody, P-R-O-S-O-D-Y. And that sound of the voice is more than the words. It's patterns and rhythms and, and, again, intensity and pace and volume and the melody of the voice. So how do you tell between a voice that is safe and a voice that is dangerous? Well, each one of you know how to tell if it seems dangerous or if it seems inviting. But when you couple that voice with the look on the face, then we get way more cues and clues. And that's what we still need when we're in relationship with a hijackal, whether that's a parent or a sibling or a partner or even someone at work or in the community or at church. We need to understand that we need to pick up all the cues and trust ourselves to pick them up. Maybe even make a list of what's going on. And we need to calibrate that. Because what you heard and understood as a child connects to what you hear in another person's speech. You're you're comparing and contrasting. Was I safe? What did that look on the face mean and it's so deep inside you but a hijackal wants to just get you on the run backing up all the time so you may not take that exhalation and say what am I reading here what am I truly reading because you will override the information that your body is rightly taking in with the shoulds that people have given you. Now, you know I'm on a mission in life to eradicate the word should because that is directional and it is uh, parental. And I really invite you every time you're about to say the word should to replace it with the word could to give it options. Lots and lots of options. Hijackals won't give you options. 
they will tell you the shoulds, my way or the highway. But when you're talking to yourself, talk in options. So perhaps take it to heart and shift any shoulds to coulds. That could really help you. So let's talk about smiles and smirks. Because there is a big difference between a genuine smile and a social smile. A genuine smile is someone is they can hardly help themselves from doing it. They automatically light up when you come in the room or they, they meet your eyes. You know, it happens just walking down the street with people you don't even know, let alone the closeness that we may have with parents or siblings or partners. And that genuine smile is, is easy to detect because your eyes close a little bit and your cheeks move up and that makes your eyes crinkle at the corners and you just get that brighter feeling from the smile. And it, it just feels absolutely honest. But a social smile, they don't move their upper face at all. So there's no wrinkling around the eyes, you know, like you're, you know, when you see somebody in court or whatever, and they smile, and then they don't. And you, people take pictures of that sometimes in videos, because it's so obvious, the person smiles when somebody looks at them, but immediately is without the smile. And that's a social smile. I, I know I'm supposed to smile right now. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. And after you've been with a hijackal for a while, you may be really good at the social smile because you found that the genuine smile, the willingness to offer that is gone. So you become good at the social smile. But for this episode, I'm inviting you to think about Am I getting a genuine smile from a hijackal or am I getting a social smile? They have the cue. They know they're supposed to smile, but nothing happens around the eyes. No warmth occurs. A genuine smile gives us a feeling of safety. So we want to engage. We, we want to move towards that person. But a social smile does not invite us, and it can be a big sign of danger too. So remember those cranial nerves that are always giving us information and our willingness to override with, oh, you know, that person likes me. They feel a little prickly. They feel a little aloof. They feel a little fake maybe, but, you know, they're smiling. No, they're not. They're giving you a social smile it's socially appropriate to smile right now, but I feel absolutely no warmth for you. So you don't get the genuine smile. There's no feeling in their eyes. And if you notice in your body, a social smile makes you feel wary. It makes you feel like you've got to, oh, well, I, they're smiling. And you know very well it's not the right kind of smile. It's not a welcoming smile. It doesn't say, I want you. I welcome you. I find you worthy. I want to engage with you. It doesn't. And hijackals use a social smile, except when they're dating in the love bombing phase. Then they fake a genuine smile. If a person can do that, you know, they know what that looks like. Now, is this causing you to think of what happens in your relationship? I hope so. 
because you can have a good look at your family photographs if you had a hijackable parent and look at the smiles. You know, I've disclosed many parts of my life because I hope it's helpful. But I look at the photographs and I see the empty smiles of my parents, the totally social smiles that you wouldn't see any other time when they are knowing what to do to have a photograph. But they're not genuinely happy. They're not genuinely connected to people. It is just a time when someone says, smile for the camera, and they do. But there is no genuine happiness. There is no genuine recognition of, of connection. It just isn't there. And sometimes I'll look at photographs of people who are adults now, but we look at your younger years. What kind of smiles did you have? Were you unhappy and you smiled when someone said smile? <clears throat> I have a pet peeve. You may share that pet peeve. But <clears throat> I have many times had someone say to me, you know, in the grocery store or whatever, and it's, it's very invasive for them to do so, but they think they're being amusing. And particularly because I'm a woman, it'll come from a man. I've never had a woman say this to me. And I'll say, <clears throat> Well, give me a smile. You must be happy about something. Someone trying to force me to smile at them. That is not going to have much hope of getting a genuine smile from me. Yet they think that they deserve a genuine smile from me. Now, yes, they may just think that I'm looking serious. It may be all very, very above board. But on the other hand, if I'm feeling my feelings and I am not smiling at you, maybe it would be best to notice how I am feeling rather than to tell me I should be smiling. Have you had that experience with hijackals? They'll tell you to smile, you know, tell you to try and connect with them, and you don't feel it, and you don't feel it from them. And that's very important. <clears throat> so this this whole mixed mixed sensation of safety and danger, the genuine smile being safer and a desire to connect and the social smile being more dangerous and, and creates wariness in our bodies because real light, real smiles light up your face. You can't help but do that. You know that you're genuinely happy to see someone. You're feeling genuinely happy. You appreciate things. It just happens. But social smiles are contrived. And look carefully at the hijackals in your life, or if you're away from them, think of them, and see the difference, how you can calibrate people who have genuine smiles and people who have social smiles in your life. And go toward the ones who have genuine smiles, because they are giving you I want to connect with you vibes. And the people who are giving you social smiles are giving this I'm putting up with you smile. Hijackals often give us that sense like they may <laughs> smile. It's not a smirk, it's a smile, but it is a social smile. And <clears throat> we don't want to move toward that. This hijackal social smiles are untrustworthy. And yet we're so longing for a genuine smile from them that we almost want to take 
their social smile and decide it's a genuine smile because we're hungry for it. It feels like approval. It feels like an invitation to closeness. It feels like I could trust that person and that they are legitimately in relationship with me in a positive way. But I'm sure you know instances in your life where those smiles had nothing to do with inviting connection. In fact, sometimes the smiles are inviting cruelty. And that actually occurs. You know, I did a, I did a podcast, um, I think it's number 142, although I can't be sure, but around there with Dan Hill, who was a facial decoder. And we talked about the hijackal smirk. And I did an episode on that. Well, I we talked about it in that episode. And <clears throat> you know this one-sided facial expression. I know you know it because you're here on the on the podcast listening to this, but only one side of the face goes up and the other side stays down and it creates this smirk. And in facial decoding, what that smirk is, it is the the facial sign for anger and the facial sign for disdain and that creates the facial sign for contempt and isn't that what you feel when they look at you like that that they are being contemptuous they are are just wanting to 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 put you down and look down at you and there's even a name that was created for this smirk aside from, you know, the hijackal smirk and it's called duping delight (laughs) that they, they have this look on their face because they duped you. They manipulated you. They coerced you. They got you to do something. They think they got you to believe something. And then they have this look on the face. Do you recognize that? That hijackal smirk is legendary, and it's a way to convey something. So I found a, a really interesting article on covert narcissism and the smirk, and I'm, I'm going to I'll, I'll put the link to it in the notes. But there were some thoughts that came out of that article on why hijackal smirk. And one of the reasons that they do it is that they manage to get negative supply out of you. You know, they smirk because you gave them something. You supplied them with something. And now they are, ah, my calculations worked. All right. And another thing they do, that smirk is related to their deception. They're deceiving you. They're lying to you. They're stealing from you. They're gaslighting you. And they're, they're thinking that they're superior to you. And we get the smirk. Or maybe they actually think they caused you harm or damage. And that brought them pleasure. It doesn't give them a genuine smile because they seldom have one. It doesn't even qualify for a social smile. But they will give the smirk like, ah. Oh, I hurt you. Good for me. I found a way to hurt you. And that's um, one of the reasons that they feel so good. And that's when they get the smirk. And also, have you ever noticed that they will have that smirk when you're sad, when you have been hurt, or when you've had something go wrong, 
or you need surgery, or you get a cold, or you can't attend something that they'd rather go to themselves, they will have that smirk when you have uh, experienced any kind of misfortune, either caused by them or caused externally, and they love that. You know, the Germans have a word for it, it's schadenfreude, and that's, you know, the dark, you can almost hear the, the contradiction in it. Another thing that they will do is they feel energized and happy when making you jealous. So they like to triangulate and they like to go a step further often and actually cheat on you. And so you'll get the smirk, who me? Why would I do something like that? Meanwhile, you'll see the smirk, which is a telltale sign that they're not telling you the truth. They think that they are smarter than you and they can pull this off and they will they will turn it around and blame shift onto you. Oh, you're probably having an affair. Why are you talking to me about it? You will see all of that, but you will see the smirk. And hijackers not only enjoy hurting you, but they enjoy planning how they will hurt you. And so you will see the smirk when they're doing the planning and when they actually think they're hurting you. Are these things ringing true for you? Because it pops out. They can't keep away from the smirk. You know, these are very almost autonomic things that happen. The relationship between what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and the look on their face, just like is true for most of us. But hijackal humans have different motivation. So people who are not hijackal humans sometimes smirk because they have occasional moments when they feel, <laughs> you know, that happened to you and it didn't happen to me. So it's not unique to hijackals, but the frequency of it is unique to hijackals, you know, because it proves that they're superior to you and you are lesser than them. So the smirk is arrogance and smugness and, and that grandiosity that, that will occur. And of course, they love to gaslight you, which means they like to define your reality for you and have you believe it. So they will say things to you that will tell you how you feel or what you should remember or how something ran. And they're very happy about that. They're very happy about that because they gaslight you and then they want to force you to believe the story that they're telling you that is only for their own manipulation of the situation. Now, that's a lot. It truly is a lot because all of that is just going on between a smile and a smirk and the sound. And remember that many of these things went into those five cranial nerves that are not connected to your experience and your thought and the development of your, your neocortex as you grow because our brain grows for the first 30 years of our life. No, these come fully formed in your brain at the moment you're born. And they're taking in information, taking it in, all the information, how you sit, how you look, when you move forward, when you move back, the look on your face, the sound of your voice, the raising of an eyebrow, combining all those things, the movement of your head. So that's another reason why hijackals 
often have a hijackal parent because they modeled that. That's what was modeled for them, and they continue to model it. So these are some big things to think about, really big things to think about, because when you start getting wise to that difference between a genuine smile and a social smile, mm, you look at them differently. You don't return social smiles once you cotton onto it. And then when you learn what the smirk is really about and you notice the frequency of it, you will begin to see that there are other strategies and techniques in terms of communication that you need to know in order to manage what happens before and after the smirk. So much to learn. But as you learn these things, you get more and more able to catch on to what's really happening. And you can get out of that feeling of being suppressed, of marginalized, isolated, and go, oh, I can read that on your face. You are broadcasting to me what you're doing. And when I sit back a little bit, and I am not fearful, and I am not concerned, and I am not trying to please you, and I observe the hijackal, then I start to see these differences. And as I see these differences, I cannot have the wool pulled over my eyes as easily. And the hijackal begins to notice there is a change. They don't like it, but they can't do anything about it. So, very important to see those differences, to realize how we were raised. If you were raised by a hijackal, all of those things were shown to you before you had words that were meaningful. And imagine what needs to be uncovered in there for you to get healthy feelings, healthy perceptions, and a healthy balance in a relationship by using your brain once you've taken in all of this and given credence to what your cranial nerves are reading. So this is very important. If you'd like to work with me, you can do that by going to beaclient.com. I have a one-time, one-hour offer for new clients there at beaclient.com, only $97. And if you'd like to be part of my Emerging Empowered community, you can do that by going to joinintoday.com. Lots of things there for members, lots of perks, time with me, lots of things to do and have and experience. Very important. And if you're just putting your toe in the water and maybe you've just found me or you didn't hear this before, I do have a weekly newsletter and you'll find it at hijackalhelp.com. And you spell hijackal, hijack, A-L, just that simple, hijack, A-L, help, H-E-L-P, Dot com. You can get the newsletter full of all kinds of good things. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope it has caused you to sit back a little bit and say, oh, I'm going to observe this carefully. So until we meet again, take very, very good care of yourself because you're precious and you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. 
If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.